and welcome back to Vaco Soundbites. It is really exciting to be here. The first one of 2022. Josh, we're back. Yes, finally. Been a bit of a long time off from recording, but we've uh, been quite busy behind the scenes getting things ready for 2022 and it's slowly coming together. It has been very busy, I believe. Josh, you've got quite a lot of news from the Vaco admin side of things, haven't you? You've been very, very busy. What have we got coming up? I'm so excited about this. Okay, so yes, we have got an Easter course coming up in April. Um, unfortunately, you know, many of our listeners will already know Omicron hit just at the wrong time for us with our winter course. So we have a very much kind of scaled down Easter course focusing on a couple of pieces, including uh, Schubert Octet and Mozart's Horn Quintet. It's been a long time since we did a, a proper chamber course, isn't it? You know, a really small kind of intimate uh, kind of, I think, 11 players or so. Um, who's going to be tutoring this time? So we have John Thorne, um, one of the Baker trustees, who will be joining us again. And we also have Kevin Banks. Any any relation, Peter? Uh, yeah, I suppose I should admit to knowing uh, my dad. Um, he'll be coming in, I think, is it, it's just a couple of days, isn't it? Um, so uh, Just a couple of days, yes. Yeah, yeah there'll be two of us to put up with. So we've got all that excitement happening at Easter. Really, really beautiful music. Lovely, lovely little course lined up. Loads of good concerts. You've been very, very busy organising the future of Vaco. And uh, I believe there's a summer course as well as a, an Easter course. So, yeah, very exciting news over the kind of the weekend that's just gone. Um, we've been launching our summer course and we are we found a new venue. We've been working hard for a number of years now to find a larger venue where we can start exploring different repertoire. Um, and we've managed to secure a booking at Wentworth Castle, which is a grade one listed building um, surrounded by... 500 acres of National Trust Gardens. So it's going to be quite a different course from Cundall Manor. Um, but no, really looking forward to that. Um, we've got a great programme. We've got some Rossini, we've got some Haydn, and we've got some Beethoven as well. So it'll be a fantastic course. Uh, if you know anyone who's interested in applying, send them to the website www.vaco.org.uk. Um, yeah, applications are open at the moment. Um, I'm really looking forward to that in August. Yeah, it's quite an upgrade, that venue. I've been looking at some of the pictures. There's, yeah, really quite something and quite excited to be working in a castle. That's quite a cool place to be going on a course. Not many courses around who do that, are there? Cracking on with the episode, this week we're really excited to introduce B Hubble, who is the new head of education at Sound and Music, taking over from Judith Robinson, who's been there for about 12 years big shoes to fill but she's got some really exciting ideas i was delighted to catch up with her uh, last week hello it's lovely to be joined today by b hubble who is the new head of education at sound and music and has quite a fascinating job role there having been i believe at drake music before that widening participation. Um, so B, thank you very much for joining us today. You look like you're in a very interesting place as you're on this Zoom call with us. I am underground in Silk Street and um, this morning is a rehearsal day for the National Open Youth Orchestra. So I have left all my stuff over there. I've drawn a quick floor plan for people to start doing the setup and uh, then we'll be uh, expecting musicians any time from 12, really. Amazing. I, I wasn't actually thinking of kind of starting with that, but that sounds yeah. quite quite a cool little project of its own. What is the National Open Orchestra? So National Open Youth Orchestra, or NOYO, is the first disabled-led youth orchestra in the world. Um, and we have centres in London, Bristol, Bournemouth, and this year we have also added Birmingham as well. 
We've got 10 musicians that work with us um, here in London and they are both disabled and non-disabled and they all work together um, in an inclusive way and the real aim of the orchestra is that it really is disabled-led so that we're really keen on that youth voice element and making sure that we're just facilitating a musical space and uh, working with young people to find out what they need from us. Um, and uh, really that the rehearsals and the content and the music are all driven and led by them. When you have disabled and non-disabled musicians working together, are there any kind of challenges that come up? Is there anything that is, is difficult to work with? I, I can imagine as a, a non-disabled person, I would find it very difficult to explain to somebody how to perhaps approach a passage when they're in a very different position to me. For sure, yeah. And I think part of the way that we build scores and select pieces and work with young musicians um, really has to come... In, we can't do a score that would work for any ensemble. Everything that we do is quite bespoke, particularly at the moment. Um, and what we find, obviously, with uh, some of our um, disabled musicians is that they've had less access to musical training, mainstream of any kind, really, in a structured musical education. So lots of them are very musical, but haven't got the experience of being in a rehearsal space um, or working with others. Um, counting bars rest. So that's something that we work very um, sensitively to, to build up so that it's, again, kind of led from them and what they need. We encourage the disabled and non-disabled musicians to really work together on that and voice you know, what is needed and what's not. And we're really cognizant of the fact that a lot of the musicians that we do work with that are disabled, who also sometimes play with us on non-traditional instruments like the clarion, which um, you can direct with your eyes. You can play it on an iPad with your finger as well. But those instruments, you know, we're learning about those and how they work in an ensemble as well, because how do you do the sort of the traditional kind of breathe and start together? Does that work in the same way when you're working with, with eye control movements? Um, it's, it's really, really fascinating. So um, it, it really makes it all every day a school day. Yeah, that sounds just completely, totally different to anything that many of us would experience in our kind of everyday lives. What kind of programmes are you putting together to, to do this? Um, yeah, good question. Um, what kind of programs? Well, we actually, it's very exciting. We've actually got four concerts coming up this year now, and we've, these have been a long time in the waiting. Um, obviously, uh, delayed by COVID, um, but also we took a, our initial year in uh, 2019, I think, um, with all our center, three centres open to make sure that we were just rehearsing and just getting these kids ready because we didn't want to present anything that was going to make people think, oh, it's a pity project for disabled young musicians. We need everyone to be ready so we can really show what these kids are about because it's amazing. Um, so putting the music together and what to pick is, is, is yeah, super interesting. As I said, some of that is led by them. So we play some arrangements of things like Honour Him, which I believe is made famous by Gladiator, um, which one of our musicians in Bournemouth requested. Uh, which works super well. Um, we've also got uh, things that are written for us. So we're working quite closely with Alexander Kamkin at the moment. He wrote um, a piece called Hoping, which uh, was performed actually by um, Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra's Resound Ensemble with uh, James Rose conducting, who's a disabled conductor. Um, and we have um, part of that piece as well. Uh, so uh, we, we perform that piece too. But Alex um, Kampkin has actually written us a new piece, which we'll be performing soon. And we have actually done a full uh, video of as well um, called What Fear We Then? Um, and uh, the way that a lot of our pieces are, are written um, is really interesting because they're not always uh, written in a perhaps a traditional through scored way. 
fragments are quite important and repetition is quite important for some of our young people. So um, that's the way that uh, What Fear We Then is written. Um, and it does flow as a whole piece, but the score doesn't look like you might expect um, a, a traditional orchestral score to look. We also um, obviously are working with new composers all the time. And we've got some new collaborations coming up next year, which is exciting. And we're trying to work particularly to get music that are for our young musicians to play that is from underrepresented groups in music. So um, we're hoping for some uh, female composers in there as well, both living and dead. Amazing, amazing. As you talk about it, you talk with such passion about this. It's one of these things that is, is becoming more and more important that we, we kind of bring, bring to the fore. What we're seeing at a lot of the moment, those, as you mentioned, BSO Resounds has been pushing the way for, for quite a while now. You've, you've got the, the new youth orchestras supporting that. Um, are we seeing more of a push for a bit of integration between two things. We, we had Felix Kleister a few, a few weeks ago. If anyone's seen the clips on, on Facebook, um, YouTube, BBC, um, doing rounds, uh, horn player, um, I, th I think performing with, with Bomber Symphony Orchestra, actually. Th those clips are amazing. Are, are we seeing more of a, a, a trend towards a kind of mixed uh, approach? Um, is, that, is that something that's coming in? Yeah, I think so. I think inclusion is really on the agenda now. And um, certainly because um, my, uh, my, my previous um, job at Drake Music, I was a um, musical inclusion practitioner and manager. Um, and I was working very closely with um, four music hubs on a project called Think22. And this was all about um, increasing inclusivity and taking down barriers that exist in traditional mainstream uh, education and really working with hubs to, to kind of recognise the additional needs of lots of musicians and young people in their catchment and also their tutors as well and really kind of bring those in in a way that isn't othered I think that's what we're really kind of as a as a, as a sector and particularly um as a, a group of organizations uh, working with disabled um, young people and non-disabled young people is that it's really it's really got to be about everyone working together rather than setting up something over here that works really well for just disabled musicians you know because there's so much value and as I mentioned to you before there's so much value and things to be learned from musicians working together from traditional and non-traditional backgrounds um, and with with you know diff different different experiences of music so it shouldn't ever be about separatism and if there's a sort of feeling that oh, but how can we get enough quality for these musicians if these ones are here you know because they've less experience then you know then it's got to be it's got to be a hard conversation and the thinking of well actually how can we change that because that that doesn't feel right that doesn't feel right for the door to be shut we're trying to open doors you know and that's a, a real feeling of I think that's a feeling across society at the moment, you know, of, um, of real inclusion of, uh, of minorities and making sure that, you know, female voices are, are more represented, um, you know, across, across the, the art forms and across the, the workforce generally. So it's not something that we can slack off on in music education because it's easier to keep this bunch of people over here um, and not working with, with the mainstream. Um, it's a bit like a, I always think of my geography teacher who, when we did a Duke of Edinburgh exhibition, expedition, said, um, look, you might be able to walk really fast and get a long way, but you must go at the pace of the slowest person in your group, because then you'll all get there together and you'll all be safe and you'll all have learned more. So that's what I kind of think of, is that we move as a pack and we learn from that.
and especially as an orchestra, actually, you know, we, we move as a pack. We're, we're never. It's not a race, as, as I kept on being told when I was a younger player. Um, it's not a race <laughs> to get to the end. Um, so if, if you're given a completely uh, blank canvas and you're starting up a, let's say, you're starting up a new youth orchestra, we come out of lockdown. There, there are lots of different groups actually, you know, kind of kicking, uh, kicking off and, and getting going. What would you do? What would you say to someone who's starting a new group? What would you What would you do if you were starting a new group? And we're trying to get everyone involved. Yeah. Um, well, I think first you need to know what people want. So you need to ask what kind of group it is that uh, that young people want to come to and what what they what they want to do. Um, I think there's a great sense of traditionalism in lots of music sectors, which is great. And you know we need to keep those traditions alive for sure. But also we need to be led by youth voice as well. So I think seek seek um, information. Um, I think ask people, people can't always answer this, but ask people, do ask people what barriers they face to attending. And that might not just be um, disabling barriers, like physical disabling barriers, that may well be, um, you know, not being able to get to rehearsal and having to work with those factors as well. Um, It might be, uh, it might be lack of access to to instruments and things. So you really need to, need to ask. And and, uh, as the words of, um, John Kelly, who's a musician who works, a disabled musician who works a lot with Drake music um, and is amazing. He plays an instrument called the Kelly Caster, which is uh, an altered um, guitar, basically, and it's great. Um, and, uh, and he says that it is important to be flexible and think to yourself, are, are we ready for this? You know, his, his, his actual way around of saying it is, are you ready for us? Um, because it's got to be not just the the idea of oh wouldn't inclusion be lovely but we have to you have to be really ready to listen and hear and change for what you do find um from young people and what they do need you know um thinking about how you set up spaces as well you know think about the kind of lighting you've got in the room think about the extra noises you've got in a room for attention think about the breaks that young people might need think about maybe it's not about reading from music maybe it's about working from by ear and working in a more sort of um, improvisatory manner um so that everyone again can come with you on that journey and you can find the place where everyone can work together and build from there rather than presenting people with sheet music that perhaps they will never get access to or feel comfortable with I I'd absolutely love that kind of line of "Are you ready for us?" Um, yeah, you know, and actually, it is a it's a huge untapped potential for for organisations who are wanting to attract more people, who are wanting to you know increase their membership. Let's say, "Are you ready for us?" You know, what what a what an amazing way of putting it. So, B, you've been a Vaco member before. Um, I wonder if you can tell us about your time. I believe it was a, a couple of years ago now. Um, yes, I've been reliably informed it was 2010, which feels very long time ago. Um, it was great, you know, we had, it was so special. Um, I remember the week incredibly clearly. In fact, I still sometimes get um, Apple memories, you know, with little pictures and videos from that week pop up. Um, and it was great fun. Um, I think we did a little tour around uh, some uh, some towns in Yorkshire and we played a lovely variety of pieces. And I remember playing um, the Albanoni Oboe Concerto with the strings, which was great, and a real special experience, actually, uh, to do that several times as well, not just to do it the once, um, to really be able to dig into it. But I remember really fondly um, those rehearsal slots and <laughs> being uh, talking to Zen about... Uh, you know how something might go, and then playing it, and uh, 
maybe it not being exactly what either of us had kind of planned, but, <laughs> but still getting so much from that. And uh, yeah, it was such a great week. I really remember like, the importance and the importance of times like those when you're on a music course and having time to build camaraderie and be in the same place as people and have that kind of a stress off you in terms of like feeding yourself, even everything else. And it's, it can all just be about the music and all just be about the people. And I think it's so important for young musicians to have that. And, you know, you come away from a week like that with a particularly as an English, you come away with a face of steel, you know, you can play for hours and hours comfortably. And uh, and it hasn't cost you the same kind of emotional effort as doing it by yourself in a practice room, you know. So that is, uh, yeah, it was it was a really great week. I really remember it very fondly. That that memory of, you know, kind of going around all of those amazing little Yorkshire villages and, and playing to um, loads and loads of different groups absolutely rings true. Um, I wonder um, if you can tell us what, what happened after Vaco. What have you been doing for the last few years? Oh, after Vaco, um, yeah. So uh, I graduated from um, the RNCM's master's course in 2011. And um, pretty much uh, three months or so before I graduated from there, my trio, the Vista Trio, which I played in with Margaret O'Shea and Caroline Waddington, were successful in getting on the Live Music Now scheme as an ensemble. And... That really was the beginning of my career, actually. Um, it was, uh, they've changed the, the, the process for their auditions now, Live Music Now would be a very different experience for anyone applying now, but I remember it being um, a huge deal and we had to prepare this programme and play it as if we were playing to a group of children with additional needs in a school um, and make it really inclusive and really fun. You know, we had lots of egg shakers and scarves and leaping around and choreography and, um, and it was great. And we just were on the train home and got the phone call saying we got it. And we just thought, wow, cool, that's great. You know, that's exciting. That's some paid work. And didn't really realise at the time how influential that one day and all of the the things that followed after it would be in my career because that organisation really lifted me and trained me and gave me experience with working with young people with disabilities and um and really took it took away the fear that I had of it because I was it was it was actually quite a frightening thing to do to start with um because I'd never been around young people with disabilities and I didn't know how how to communicate with them I didn't know I didn't you know and it, it feels it feels I feel weird to look back on that now and, and think that and and think that I would have that kind of mindset that it would need to be any different to the way that I communicate to anyone else and, that, and why would the music land any differently but I didn't know because I'd never had the experience. So, so live music now has a yeah has a huge part to play in what happened then for my career. I did a lot of teaching as well, which I really enjoyed, and I loved learning from a pedagogical standpoint the different ways that uh, young people can engage with music and how you need to explain it in several different ways and play things in different ways and find the music that they like to keep them engaged and to progress as you know they they should. So um, so I really enjoyed the teaching. I was doing a bit of freelancing as well at the same time. Um, and uh, yeah, just sort of gradually building that, the, the, the what we all kind of end up doing now in well, many of us is that, that portfolio career really. And, um, and it wasn't until uh, sort of three and a bit years ago now when I saw the job advertised at Drake Music for the musical inclusion practitioner and manager that I thought, oh, I could do what I do a bit more kind of 
within an organisation. And the idea of going from a happy-go-lucky freelancer to somebody on a PAYE contract who would have to do things like book holidays and not just be like, oh, I'm not sure, not, I'm not coming in today, you know, um, uh, was very weird. It was very weird and, uh, and it felt like a really big jump. But I'm glad I did it because I really enjoyed the structure of um, being in an organisation where I could have an idea and instead of it going into one classroom, I could communicate it to other staff because I really enjoy training people and you know, communicating what I do. And that could go further than just one classroom. And yeah, so that's um, really, again, what kind of uh, attracted me to the role at Sound of Music as well, is that idea of um, we're going to do some stuff here that hopefully is going to be useful for young composers and young musicians on a national level. And... Um, Ultimately, you know, I, I think I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think anyone has all the answers, but I'm very willing to keep learning and to keep listening to people. And I really like the idea of being in a in a role where I hope that my communication of that can be useful for people and can um, open some musical doors for young people. Your, your career to date has taken on a, a, a wide variety of different trajectories. Um, and I, I, I love that you've come to Sound of Music to, to kind of, you know, uh, you, you're going to take those... Uh, ideas into into the future um and um it's it's an organization that i've i've been um enjoying being a part of for for quite a few years and and i can't wait to see what what you bring 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 more inclusivity into it i wonder if we can just define very quickly um your your idea of widening participation and what what do we mean by inclusion mm, i think that's actually a question they asked me in my interview for sound and music <laughs> hopefully i can cut and paste my answer here um what do we mean by inclusion um, I mean, it really is, it's really everyone, you know, it really, and it, and, and I mean that in the broadest sense. Um, I just think that inclusion is about making sure everyone has a voice in the room and that what we do can be relevant and helpful for everyone. For me, inclusion isn't, isn't about tokenistic bringing in of people for a one-off project or, you know, we, we're going to, well, we're going to, we're going to cover this here or that there. It's all about building in what we learn from from individuals and from organizations and from you know kind of the the learning of the sector into everything that we do so that there's just no there's no exclusivity in music that's what inclusion is for me that sums it up perfectly b thank you so much for joining us today and um, it's been lovely to see you thank you very much thanks for having me great interview it was fantastic to hear B have so much passion for her new role yeah it, it was absolutely amazing speaking to her because she's she's got so much knowledge she's got so much understanding um and and the issues that she's talking about are so important it's something that we we all need to be really aware of um uh, since I yeah, interview I've I, I've been kind of going away thinking about well you know how 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 do I approach um inclusivity within music how do I approach inclusivity within my workplace um, you know, she's really made me think about how I can improve um, and, and how I can how I can make sure that actually other people in the music world and other people in the education world take these ideas and, and what we can do with them. It's, it was a really, really fascinating half hour that we spent um, kind of talking. One of those people who actually I, I could have talked to all day about this. I think that it was so important. I really hope we can actually get her back on. Definitely. And what and what have we got coming up next, Peter? So coming up, we, we've got the international bassoonist Andres Yauri, who uh, we have literally just spoken to. 
And uh, his story is absolutely amazing. He is uh, a young bassoonist um, who was just about to kind of crack into, well, was cracking into the professional world, starting to really develop his career. And then COVID hit. Um, really, really hard for, for so many young musicians in, in that position. Um, he was fascinating to talk to. Really, really enjoyed uh, meeting him. Yep, so that episode will be coming out on the 6th of March in two weeks' time. Uh, we've got loads of more interviews and conversations with people lined up over the next couple of months. Lots more stuff to come from Baco. Um, apart from our courses, we've got a series of masterclasses this year. So really looking forward to sharing that all with you. There's so much going on, isn't there? And we just launched our Patreon. So if you haven't uh, already seen that, do get on the website. What's the website, Josh? The website is www.vaco.org.uk. Most importantly, we should take this moment to thank the Radcliffe Trust, who have made this podcast possible. Um, it's part of a project that they've given us funding for called Let the Musicians Play On. Um, and that's pretty much encompasses all of our online activity this year. So thank you very much to the Radcliffe Trust. Yeah, thanks very much, Josh. Lovely to see you too. I, I can't wait to hear about your trip to America. Next time we record this podcast, we will all be pointing and laughing at Josh as he recovers from jet lag. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>